yes, yes, people is back again. Raps on TV, reporting fresh out of London. Uh, the best in boxing, as always, uh, bringing you the latest news over the weekend and looking forward to what's coming ahead for this week. Weekend here, as usual, with my co-host, Tom. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm good, uh, Code. You're looking fresh yourself today. Uh, All tailored. Tailored work day, mate. In, in, it's nothing but a work day for me. <laughs> nothing but a work day. But it's good to be back. Um, another show. I know this week was kind of a quiet phase for a... Uh, boxing to kick off the new year but we've got a a few a few announcements in terms of guests and also fights that have just been uh, ordered um and sanctioned so i mean yeah just the most notable one um, with the wbc and uh yeah we'll keep it on a hold for a, a few minutes and then we'll we'll let the the fans phone in and let them know the uh, the headline news yeah exactly and we're also going to get into um the uh fight with Javante uh, davis against hugo Ruiz, which took place Last weekend, um, as expected, first round knockout. But let's talk about his performance, um, his relationship with Mayweather, and we'll go on uh, further and all the guys on the undercount, undercard. But listen, guys, we've got a great uh, guest uh, joining us today. Um, a man that I'll say needs not much of an introduction, but I'll do it anyway. Um, set up a huge uh, rap label uh, many years ago, uh, transitioned into the boxing world, worked with some of the most famous and technically gifted boxers that have ever been. Um, and he's now just released a book uh, called The Art of Science. So I would like to introduce to everybody our guest, Mr. Jay Prince. Hello. Hello, Mr. Jay Prince. Hey, how are you doing? How y'all are y'all are doing? We're doing very well. So you're speaking here with Kojo from London and my co-host Tom. How's it going, Jay? Sir, Tom, Kojo's co-host. The- hey. Thank How you. How y'all doing? We're doing good. Thank you for for joining us today. It's a real privilege uh, to be able to talk about you know what you've been doing the last many years, but namely in the last twelve to eighteen months, uh, the art and science of uh, art and science of respect. Um, so, uh, Mr. J. Prince, obviously a big fan of you from the Rapalot days. Um, but going into this book, um, I just wanted to ask you, what made you decide to write this book and where did the title come from? Well, <clears throat> I decided to, to write it because, um, you know, everywhere I travel around the world, you know, a lot of people are questioning me for information, you know, all the time, you know, trying to, uh, get some wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of, of different aspects of life, you know, and business. So, you know, I, I thought it would be a perfect time to uh, to write this book and share, you know, my wins, my losses, and everything that happened in between. Brilliant. And the name, the name, yeah, the name, you know, your head, you know, as I as I like sized up uh, my journey and, you know, what's important to me, you know, I came up with the art and science of respect mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's been my life. You know, that's what I value, uh, you know, and it's it been an art and a science to everything that, that I've accomplished. And, you know, I, I think I shared that, to the best of my ability in the book. Yeah, that's great. And um, Jay, it's uh, Tom here, um, part of the Raps on TV uh, team. Just wanted to ask you. I mean, it's a pleasure having you on the on the platform, uh, sharing your story, your uh, and your ideas today. I just wanted to uh, kind of get into your background, um, sort of how did um, what inspired you to kind of 
come up with the idea of creating the book and also the other avenues you've taken, particularly in the uh, in the boxing industry? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, my, my inspiration, uh, you know, what his book is concerned, you know, you, you, like me, I always thought about, you know, leaving this earth without uh, telling my story the way it really is. You know, I didn't, I didn't want no one to have to tell it for me. Mm-hmm. And and also I wanted to, uh, as a part of my legacy, you know, I'm, I'm always... Uh, uh, trying to be an inspiration to inspire, you know, the, the past, the present, and the future. You know, that's been my journey mm. in the music game. Mm. So, you know, it was only right that I share uh, with the world that I share with so many others that, you know, have been successful in a lot of uh, aspects of life. Yeah, and and uh, hi, hi, James, uh, J, Mr. J. Prince. Um, in terms of, uh, obviously, uh, Growing up, you know, obviously your family man, um, but growing up family, you know, were you a working man, college educational man? You know, how how did you get into the world, I guess, of of, of business and the entertainment business, uh, first and foremost? Yeah, I, uh, you know, growing up to school in the ninth grade. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And as far as I wanted to go, but, you know, I gave... Um, uh, my mother, my word that I would at least graduate from high school. So I kept my word. I graduated from high school. And after graduating from high school, you know, uh, my mindset was to get a head start on everybody that graduated with me and I never allowed them to catch me uh, after I left school that last day. So that's that's the mind frame I was in as a as a eighteen year old. Nice. So you know I, I was able to accomplish <laughs> I was able to accomplish just that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I mean I guess at a young age being able to I guess uh, f- fulfill what you set out to do is always a great thing, right? It gives you great confidence. Yeah, and and as far as the entertainment side of things, you know I've. Uh, you know, as a as a kid, as a young one, growing up, you know, my my grandmother, my mother, my aunties was always playing Motown music. Mm-hmm. So I always, uh, you know, I grew up at least uh, knowing what good music sounded like. And you know, when the opportunity presented itself, you know, my brother, his name was Sir Rapalot. Mm-hmm. So uh, in those days, he would ride with me you know, all day, every day, just rapping all day, every day. And, and it was one day I encouraged him. I'm like, hey, man, I don't want you in these streets. I said, why don't you let me put you in the studio and and, and you pursue your rap career. I'll help you with it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I named my company after him, uh, Rap-A-Lot Records. His name is Sir Rap-A-Lot. Nice. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning. And, you know, from that day forward, you know, after my brother fell off because he didn't complete the journey with me, I uh, I had to make the decision with the other members, and it was based on keeping my word. You know what I mean? I remember uh, my moving forward. This was based on keeping my word with the other guys that I told that I would support them. I moved forward and got blessed beyond my expectations. 
And uh, Jay, how did the message, uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, uh, begin? How were you able to articulate that and kind of emulate that so that uh, younger generations can kind of use that as a bit of inspiration for you to be able to champion that for the, the younger generations particularly? Yeah, the no weapon formed against me, you know, is a biblical verse. And, you know, I always, you know, uh, being a faith based individual. You know, I grew up where my mother, my grandmother, a lot of examples before me, and I wrote about it in a book how, you know, when I lived in the projects, it would be a, a bus that came and picked up kids, and my mother would put me on that bus that took us to church. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, I gained a, a strong uh, uh, faith-based foundation by taking that ride over the years, and that verse, no weapon formed against me, you know, meant something to me. You know, it, it soothed me where fear would come in. You know what I mean? It gave me understanding that no struggle, no trouble, no uh, uh, whatever I was dealing with was bigger than God. So, you know, I, I, I wrapped that around no weapon formed against me shall prosper because I felt like God was on my side. And it caused me to be fearless toward everything, even the three-letter alphabet <laughs> uh, names that exist out here in, in, in the U.S., you know, the DEA, the FBI, all of them, you know. Yeah. Even they're not bigger than God. <laughs> exactly, and the three-letter word. I mean, that's a really great thing to talk about, um, your, your faith um, and the strength that you get from that um, and taking the message and letting that lead the mantra in your life. Um We'll just talk a little bit um, about, you know, how that would have been so important for you when you were starting in uh, the record label. You know, you're in an industry that is typically, you know, not favouring people from your culture. You're not in that executive position. You know, how, when you had down days, you know, how, how did that how did that really lift you up um, just to tell you to persevere and keep going? Yeah, it, it was everything. You know, as I say, it was my foundation. And, and we know you can't build a, a mansion, an empire, nothing on a weak foundation. So, you know, that that was my foundation, was the glue to the everything that I, I put together. You know what I mean? It was my source of, uh, of strength, you know, where I rejuvenated myself. You know, I, I conditioned my mind. I fed my spirit to be able to, you know, deal with all the obstacles, you know, on a daily basis. And there was many of them, you know, so that's, that was uh, the secret weapon to it all. Yeah. And in, in terms of the, the boxing business, um, I do clearly want to, you know, ask you how you got into that, but were you a boxing fan growing up and who were the kind of fight, if you were, what type of fighters did you like watching and what type of style were you a fan of? Yeah, boxing was always my first love uh, since a kid. You know, I used to watch Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. I used to watch Don King, you know what I mean, flamboyant in the ring. And, you know, I fell in love with boxing, you know, as a kid. So that that was my first love. I tell everybody I got distracted along the journey <laughs> with music. You know, it turned out to be a great distraction. But, you know, it it, it felt so good, and I felt at home to... To uh, return to the boxing world. 
And just uh, taking it back to that uh, point you mentioned about the building blocks, you know, you have to have um, to build like an empire, you need to have the stable foundation. How important do you think that is nowadays with the lights? um, You've got prospects coming through from the Olympic system, uh, but even just like pushing it back to the lights of the greats, uh, Andre Ward, uh, Floyd Mayweather, even before their generation. How important is that stepping stones, those building blocks to, to reach the pinnacle of the sport? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's very important. You know, it's very important with with everything you do, you know what I mean, to tap in a power that's greater than the power of uh, whatever can have you in bondage. You know what I mean? Wh- whatever that may be, you know, along <clears throat> later on along the journey, I, I tapped into other powers, like breaking the poverty curse where my family was concerned. You know what I mean? Buying my mother home because, I knew my mother always, you know, wanted a home, wanted to live out of the projects. So those was powers that meant something to me. Those was dreams. Those was things that uh, I was willing to die for mm. at one time in my life. So, you know, it's about what, it, whatever that may be, you know, in, in each of our lives, whether you're a fighter, writer, whatever it is, you know what I mean? You tap into that power. You, you grasp strength and power from that power on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. no, no, great. And um, and um, let's talk about the the, the, the book. Um, obviously, we're a boxing show, so we're definitely interested in your whole life, especially the boxing part. Um, in terms of fans, uh, boxing fans, what do you feel, um, who do you feel you've interacted with that would make boxing fans be more appealed to your book? Well, I interacted with, you know, I started off managing Floyd Mayweather, uh, Mike Tyson. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Tyson was the reason Floyd even came in the gym that I had opportunity to meet Floyd. You know, Roy Jones, Diego Corrales, Sugar Shane Moles, Mosley, Winky Wright, Andre Ward. You know, the list goes on and mm-hmm. on. You know, I had opportunity to uh, work with a lot of the greats in a short period of time. Mm. You know, it was really historical. Uh, you have a life of talent. Of yeah, yeah, to be able to, you know, have access to to all of that. It's it, it been a beautiful journey. Yeah, I mean, and obviously working with with, with Tyson, um, I guess was, I heard a story that you were trying to sign him. Was it bef- just after the Douglas fight or maybe just before? No, no, it was actually, you know, way before. Uh, well, no, it was after the Douglas fight. Yeah. yeah, it was after the Douglas fight. Uh, yeah, what it was, I wanted to work with him. I wanted to work with his management team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I reached out to him, and he accepted the meeting. And I went out to Las Vegas and went in the gym where he was sparring. And, you know, afterwards we went to his house and had a conversation. And, you know, after that conversation, I felt like I was on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like, okay, Mike told me I was on the team. I felt like I was on the team. And, you know, the next day I woke up, I couldn't reach Mike. The lines had, uh, you know, been cut off. I couldn't reach him. So, therefore, for Mayweather had gave me his phone number while we were in the gym. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like, call me, man, call me. So when I couldn't meet, reach Mike, I called Floyd. Floyd came, picked me up, and within a week, 
you know, I was Floyd's manager. And, and what's interesting about that whole uh, trip was before I went on that trip, I prayed for a champion. Everything I always wanted to accomplish in life, I prayed. I prayed for it, even to this day. And I prayed for a champion. And when I came back, my prayers were answered. My, I had prizes on Mike Tyson, but I prayed for a champion. And Floyd Mayweather was a champion. Mm-hmm. So I got what I asked for. And um, just kind of with those uh, two uh, two fighters, well, even starting with Floyd and kind of how you interacted with him, um, what would you say, if you were to sum up, uh, what separated um, Floyd, um, the likes of those guys that you've Corrales, named? Corrales. Mosley, they were the same division, which similar division? Yeah, what separated them? Yeah, so like what separated them? Different fighters. Yeah, different fighters have different work ethics. Different fighters have different lifestyles, different habits. You know what I mean? And when I observe Floyd's uh, uh, work ethic, his lifestyle, and all that compared to, you know, Diego and some of the others, you know, clean. You know what I mean? Floyd didn't drink. He didn't smoke. Uh, Floyd, you know, the work ethic in the gym is, is second to none. You know, this dude will, uh, you know, he's not looking at the clock when he go in that gym to leave early. You know, he uh, works out relentlessly. You know, we'll, we'll be watching a fight on TV on a Saturday, you know, a break day. And right after that fight, he want to take off running and do eight miles. So, you know, the work ethic, his work ethic compared to like 90-some percent of the other fighters I observed, you know, (laughs) second to none. Only one I could put close to him, you know, would be Andre Ward. Mm. You know, he has that same type of work ethic that Floyd had. And I hadn't had opportunity to watch uh, Shakur Stevenson, but I'm, I'm told that, you know, he has a... Uh, great work ethic as well. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's funny you say that. And there's a book by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, and he talks about that ten thousand hours. And when I see Ward in a Mayweather, I think about those are guys that put their ten thousand hours in the gym to be the masters of their craft. So yeah, that's definitely interesting. You you, you saying that as well? Can I just ask though how how did you, Mayweather get into your gym, or you, you know what was the I know you said he gave you his card, but, you know, where were you and, and, and like, what was he, you know, yeah. Yeah, how did that happen? How did he get in my gym? Yeah, how was, was he just, was he training with one of your your fighters? Um, did you invite him well, into no, no, the gym? No, 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 what happened with Floyd, no, Floyd came when I was in the gym with Mike Tyson. Mm. Mike Tyson and Floyd had a relationship. Okay. So Floyd just, you know, coincidentally, I don't know if Mike told him I was coming or what, but he coincidentally showed up while I was in the gym with Mike. And, you know, he started talking to me. He knew of me. And I was focused on Mike. You know, I had never seen Mike's bar and all of that. So mm-hmm. I'm, like, kind of wondering, who, who is this kid? Why is he, you know what I mean, talking to me right now? And my friend, you know, he told me, he said, oh, that's the 130-pound champion, Floyd Mayweather. So, you know, from there, you know, I, I really didn't think about him anymore until the next day when I couldn't reach Mike. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but that's that's how it all, 
you know, fell in place. And like I said, I prayed for a champion mm. for those who don't believe in prayer. You yeah. know, this is what I prayed for. I went there. I got what I prayed for. Yeah. And how about so? Obviously, you 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 were you you, you you so you signed Floyd. Um, you know the how is how was obviously his dad's a trainer, his uncle's a trainer. Um, his two both of his uncles are trainers, former fighters. How was that interaction working with them? Um, knowing that those guys are obviously you know well learned in uh, boxing, well versed. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I when I came on the scene and I wrote about it in my book, it really caused. Uh, a stir, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Nobody was happy that that I was around, and you know uh, it caused a, a big stir. I mean, it was right up in the in the on the front page of the uh, Las Vegas Time and all of that. All it, almost every other day. So you know it caused a controversy, but you know I figured out how to smoothen everything out. And, you know, I tell everybody, I laid the foundation that he's eating off of today. Mm. You know, once again, we're dealing with the foundation. And the four years plus I was with him, I laid that foundation mm. for him to be able to do what he's doing today. Yeah, you must take great pride in that. Yeah, and uh, with um, yeah. kind of Mayweather's unprecedented work ethic, uh, the other fighters that you've uh, had close affiliation with, um, what other attributes have you seen, particularly Mayweather at a young age after making the transition to the uh, the professional ranks? Was it a case of he was patient at the time, he was waiting for his opportunity to present itself? And was, were those the kind of qualities that you were surprised in a young, hungry fighter like Mayweather? Well, you know, what, what always surprised me the most where Floyd was concerned is that work ethic, man. I mean, you know... You know, in the gym, I'm I'm telling you, and I know you all probably is aware of this. You know, you watch these fighters, and, you know, when they put an hour or so in, they, you know, they want to get up out of there. This dude, you know, is, you know, it, he, it's like he overdo it. Mm. You know, you would think he overdoing it, but he's not overdoing it, and he love it. Mm. He love it when he's in there, so... You know, there's a saying that you reap what you sow and you get out of a situation what you put in. Yeah, he great because of that reason. Mm. You know what I mean? He he, it's it's amazing to see him. You know, definitely back then before he became who he is now. To watch him back in those days, mm. uh, he bobbed into this, and you know why? Because mm, you know, it's unquestionable. So when you signed, because he was. Was he pretty boy and just making that transition into money? Or yeah. He was pure pretty boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was pretty boy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 And um obviously now you you, you mentioned earlier uh, Shakur Stevenson, um, another fighter that's made a bit of a name for himself in the Olympics. Um it's coming through the ranks. I think he I wanna say he fought two weeks ago. Yeah. Um Um I mean, what kind of a role do you play with managing him and I guess your fighters in general? Um, do you play the mentorship role? Is it you know, just talking business strategically for the next four, four or five years. What is your what, what kind of role do you play with them in relationship? Yeah, de- definitely a, a management role, and and that management role uh, exists in and out of the ring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't mind when I when I when I'm managing a fighter, I don't mind sharing with them my blueprint, my successful blueprint in life 
you know, out the ring. I ain't never really been in the ring, but I know something about being in the ring. I know something about preparation of, you know, getting in the ring. And I definitely know a lot about uh, uh, not only making your money, but how to keep your money. Mm. You know, because so many athletes and fighters money in their sport, but they don't know how to keep it. Yeah. So, you know, I figured that out. I figured out the formula of, of how to do a lot of those things. And if they would listen, then they'll be successful in those areas as well. Yeah. And uh, how integral is it having the, the team around uh, these young fighters? I mean, Shakur's not long made the, the transition to the pro ranks. He's obviously had uh, an outstanding amateur pedigree, but in terms of the mentorship, the uh, guidance, how integral and imperative is that for a young fighter at this stage of his career? And the team around him. Oh, it's, it's, it's very, it can make or break them. Mm. It actually can make them or break them because it's, you know, it's important to have somebody around you that you look up to, that you respect. And, you know, and it's mutual. You know what I mean? Because, you know, coming from where we come from, not have uh, someone solid around you that you respect, that you look up to, you know, you would use your own mind and your own understanding about a lot of things. And sometimes those things you can't come back from. So it's always, you know, good to to have access to that can be life saving. Yeah, yeah, no, um, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's definitely important. And in in regards to Andre Ward, I think it's fair to say for the UK boxing fans, you became or your face was probably known a bit more um, with the I say hostile relationship between Andre Ward and Kovalev. Um, but just talk to can you just tell us about how how you got how you got to work with Andre Ward and you know obviously the opportunity you know how did that meeting come about how long have you known Andre Ward you know I've heard stories that maybe you watched him fight in the amateurs so yeah if we, if we just right yeah yeah actually uh, uh, I tapped in Andre Ward two years before uh, he turned pro mm-hmm. so he was an amateur. Uh, actually, what, two years before the Olympics. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I met Andre, you know, Virgil Hanna, his trainer, had kind of reached out to him and told me, if you help me save, uh, then he will win us a gold medal. You know, he felt that strongly about Andre back then. And I'm like, okay, I want to see him. So I invited Andre to come out. Sorry, Jay. Sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, it it cut out. Could you just repeat? And when you said, what from the Virgil Hunter story, sorry, we missed you from when you said, if you can save. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, Virg, you know, Virg told me if, you know, I could help him save Andre from the streets, he Mm. would win us a gold medal. Mm. Because at the time, Andre had one feet in the street and one foot in the street and one foot in the boxing ring. Mm. So, you know, Andre wasn't always Andre Ward that we know today. And uh, so, you know, I asked him then, I said, well, let me see him. And that's when I invited him to Houston and put him in the ring with some grown pros, established Mm. pros. And uh, he whooped them all, I mean, really convincingly. Wow. And I was sold at that point. 
And from there, you know, I had a conversation with Andre Ward and, you know, to, to try and see where his mind frame was and to see why, you know, he was uh, a little off balance. And he shared with me, you know, the importance of his family and the reason he wasn't as focused as he, as he uh, would have liked to have been because he had responsibilities and his family. So, you know, once he and I agreed on, you know, uh, me being there to help him where those responsibilities was concerned, he gave me his word that he would devote 100% of his time to boxing. And he kept his word and won us that gold medal. Mm. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and then in terms of working with him from on the professional level, um, obviously, were you managing him throughout his professional career or did you uh, kind of take over when he made that return uh, to the boxing? Oh, no, yeah, no, I uh, I was there from day one. When Andre Ward won the gold medal, mm. he flew straight from Greece to Houston, Texas to uh, honor his word with me. I didn't have, I was doing everything based off of his word Fantastic. prior to the end. And after he won the gold medal, everybody else trying to, uh, you know, put him on a private jet and take him all these other places, he was loyal, kept his word, and came and signed with me. Oh, wow, that's, I mean, that's really fantastic because, I mean, to say when you look at Ward's career as a whole, I mean, he's really, I mean, for me, he's one argue he's definitely a pound for pound. You look at the Super Six series, he made a massive name for himself, defeated some super tough guys in all manners of way. Carl Froch outmanned him, you know, Kessler just outskilled him, um, Kovalev just beat him up. So, yeah, I think, you know, if, to talk about his career, I think that's fantastic. Um, and I'm going to make sure that we kind of promote your, you, what the work you've done through our platform because I think when I look at Andre Ward's career as a whole, um, I think he's a standing example. He's a family man, a man of faith, um, and yeah. he's very respectful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the fact you two work together kind of sums it up really well, you know, the art and science of respect. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, in terms of Ward, on a, obviously he comes across as someone who's got high ambitions, um, you know, uh, quite intelligent. Um, could you say that that was something else you saw in him outside of uh, being a fighter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, uh, once he got focused, he was able to uh, evolve, you know what I mean? And he, he's a guy that asks a lot of questions. So he would pick my brain nonstop mm. because he wanted to learn. Yeah. You know, he wanted to learn. And I watched, I watched him evolve. I watched him even use my own tactics on me. <laughs> you know? in, in what way? So, yeah, he, Can you elaborate? <laughs> well, in, in, in negotiation, you know, uh -huh. he, would, he would pick up real quickly after different things he would see me do or whatnot. And wow, I was, I was proud of that. Oh, that's nice. And um, just to kind of uh, finish, I mean, it's, it's been a um, it's been a great kind of uh, conversation about how we've you've made the kind of jump from where you started off right through to your involvement in the boxing uh, industry. Uh, what do you make of the UK scene at the moment, um, and how kind of um, the US market, particularly, are trying to emulate that? Um, do you feel boxing is um, like big in the UK? What's your perception? 
Yeah, definitely feel boxing is is big in the UK. I mean, it's yeah on a whole different level in the UK than it is <clears throat> here when it comes to you know the people coming out and supporting their own. Yeah. You know, I I dream of us catching up with you know the support system that you all have out there where boxing is concerned. Mm. Yeah. And does any kind of uh, fighters from over here take your eye um, uh, from particularly from the right through from the Olympics to the more seasoned pros? Is there anyone that you think captivates? Um... Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was out there, I came out there for what, the 20, uh, what, the 2012 Olympics, Olympics 2016 yeah. Olympics, 2012 London. And yeah, yeah Joshua, I, I saw Joshua then and I wanted to be in business with him then. And I would like to be in business with him now. So I saw everything taking place where he was concerned before it happened. And it's, it's beautiful to see him and all his success right now. Yeah, and I mean, what, what, what in at the Olympic stage did you see? Did you have the vision where you, you saw he was going to get to where he is now, effectively? And what, what was it that yeah, you saw? Yeah, I, I saw... Well, it's all the potential. Mm. Uh, 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 had the size, he, you know, had the pedigree, had the, you know, all he had to do was perfect his craft. And it looked like, you know, he had the work ethic and everything, the conditioning. Looked like everything was there. Mm. You know what I mean? His demeanor, you know, from observing him from a distance, uh, I was sold from yeah. his demeanor. I'm like, he he looked hungry. He looked yeah. like he wanted. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess, obviously, you spoke about the boxing scene um, and the, the job that Eddie Hearn has done over here, which, you know, he's really been the key player to kind of get it ignited again. Um, he's coming over to the US. Um, is the zone a platform that you're interested in working with? Or, you know, what's your thoughts on Eddie Hearn and Matchroom USA coming over to the US, USA, the, the Wild West, as they say? Oh man, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful for Eddie Hearns to to uh, uh, to what you call it, diversify his portfolio. Nice, you know what I mean. I, I love his his energy. You know, I know Eddie, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. I look forward mm. to seeing him mix it up. Mm. You know what I mean? Bring some of that UK love over here, that promotion style. Yeah, the way he promotes. You know, I I tip my head to the guy. Nice and and in terms of um, uh, fights, have you been over to the UK recently to watch any fights? Or are you planning to come over? Joshua's obviously got a big show coming up. Yeah, been a while. You know, mm. been a while. The last fight I think I I saw over in the UK was uh, Frotch against Grove. Right. So it's been a minute, but I am getting ready to come over to the UK with Drake, you mm. know, with the tour. So I'll be coming over there, I think, next month. Okay. So, I mean, we'd love to, I've, I know your time is going to be more than uh, occupied, but we'd love to get you in the studio. We're in central London, uh, do another interview, um, get it on tape as well, and obviously meet you and just discuss uh, the world of boxing and other things as well. 
Okay, sound like a plan. Yeah, and, uh, and I mean, Jay, it's great to kind of show, uh, you know, your versatility within the industry. I mean, it's it's rare that we see a high-profile name like yourself have such success with the book, with your uh, music label, and also now the boxing and how that's kind of uh, given you uh, more direction to uh, bring along all these uh, top prospects. So it's an absolute pr- privilege speaking with you on that note. And hey man, it's a privilege and honor on this end. You know, I appreciate I appreciate you all for inviting me and oh. y'all can definitely everybody that's listening can definitely follow me at J Prince Respect. Yeah, that's what I was going to say if you before uh, you want to do your social media <laughs> and um, and and the book um, Art yeah. and Science uh, that that can be found. You want to just talk about where people can find that? I know it's an audio book, but I'll let you go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it can be found Amazon. You know, uh, I don't know if you all have a Barnes and Noble. No, no, we don't. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Apple. You okay. know, it's it's everywhere. All the digital and, platforms. And I plan on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Perfect. And before I let you, before we let you go, uh, uh, Mr. J. Prince, um, I'm going to say a couple of weeks back they had this thing called the Ten Year Challenge. Um, where everyone was uploading pictures and so forth. But what we want to do on the Raps on TV platform is talk about the 10-year challenge, but ask guys who have that longevity in the game to talk about what key changes they've probably seen in the last 10 years. So I just wanted to ask you, what changes have you seen in boxing between now, 2019, and 10 years ago, 2009? Or further afield, if you like. But yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I've seen, I've seen HBO... Yeah. And, yeah. you know, as we know, HBO has always been a, a player mm. where boxing was concerned. <laughs> and that was a surprise to me. But, you know, it's a lot of changes taking place, you know, with the streaming and the whole social media movement. And, uh, hey, I'm, I'm loving every moment of it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's really good to hear. So, listen, again, uh, Jay Prince, thank you very much. Everybody... Go and check out Art and Science and Respect. Um, to be fair, I've got a, a physical copy, Mr. Prince, so hopefully I'll get a bit of an autograph when you're in London as well. Um, but listen, really enjoying reading that. Um, thank you again for your time and uh, wishing you all the best. Appreciate it, bro. Cheers. Thank Respect. you. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. So yeah, thanks, guys. Um, you saw there, that was a good good half an hour or so interview with uh, a legend in the game. You heard who he's been working with quietly um, behind the scenes men's like Andre Ward uh, Mayweather Tyson I mean Mosley I mean Corrales you know we probably could have spoke for another half an hour an hour with the boxers that he's worked with and getting some deep stories and hopefully if he comes to London we can take him up I'll say take him up but yeah hopefully we can we can find a way to stalk him and uh, get him in the studio <laughs> yeah but um, definitely without the Drake though but now all love on the Drake side um so yeah, guys, listen, um, really appreciate uh, you guys t- tuning in. Um, this week we had uh, Javante Davis, who was on the show. Uh, he was on the show, oh, sorry, on the show. He was on the boxing uh, fight last week out in LA, PBC card, yep. uh, first round knockout. Any surprise really there, Tom? Um, no, I think it was just kind of get the ring rust out of the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been kind of pictured in that... Um, that division to have those big fights next. Mm. He's had a bit of time out, a bit of inactivity, uh, but yeah, just kind of get in the ring, show off a bit. And yeah. uh, I mean, got the, 
the job done in exactly. emphatic fashion. In emphatic fashion. Um, I mean, I think some of the other fights on the card, uh, you had Lub- Ericsson Lubin, who uh, beat Ishe Smith. Yeah, uh, great within fight. four rounds, I think, four or five rounds. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so that was good. I mean, Lubin was coming through. Everybody, I, I, to be honest, I ranked him as a, as a high prospect last year. Um, so he got knocked out by the Charlo. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, whoa, you slowed down. I don't think you're ready yet. Um, so I think Ishe Smith is probably a good fight to kind of get your name back out there, get you back on the TV uh, network and, you know, give you a bit of confidence because, you know, Ishe Smith does bring it and, and he's a bit of a name. Yeah. Um, looking f- into this week, um, we've got Leah Santa Cruz who's fighting out in NA. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, his opponent, you know, is what it is. Leo Santa Cruz, you, you put him as a favourite. So, to be honest, I really want to talk about the fact that uh, on the fight, um, Fox are going to be doing something different and they're going to have Mikey Garcia and Errol Spence Jr. doing a face-to-face. Yeah. I think that's going to be really interesting because we're probably about, what, maybe a month or so out from the fight. Yeah. The size difference, you know, between now and then, you, you can't do much. So, actually, that on, on Saturday night, we're going to see... The le- not the levels, but the size and the shape of Garcia. Are you looking forward to seeing that face to face? Yeah, I mean, as well, you kind of with the first, uh, you know, head to head. Yes, Spence was probably a bit over the weight. Exactly. But, but I mean, the the size difference was staggering. Even then, the right? Two of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, now I think that probably Spence has had time to trim down a bit. Mm-hmm. Garcia's most likely going to put on a bit of muscle um, prior to the fight, so it'll be interesting to see. But I think Spence has that stature. Yeah. Um, he's the more fully fledged. Uh, well away so mm-hmm. it'll be good to see the comparison yeah, it is I mean I'll be honest I can't I'm back in but I just don't see do you know what happens I just I just can't see how Garcia wins but then I know Garcia is such a good fighter such a technically like high level fighter yeah. that in my mind I'm like he wouldn't go in this fight thinking he's gonna you know what I mean like without and he's, he's 110% confident he's gonna beat this guy so I'm just like what are you watching that is making you think you're gonna cause damage to this guy I mean honestly I can't wait and the closer we get to that and that's why I think Saturday is quite a big moment in the kind of timeline of the fight because once we see that people are gonna either say you know what Garcia's got a chance here you know Mm. Mm. Do we see something in Spence does Spence even look at Garcia and think well actually maybe he's not as small as I thought he would come in here and then on top of that, he's got the little guys chasing him because Crawford wants to fight him. And even though Crawford is a champion, he's still come up from the divisions just like Garcia has. So yeah. for me, uh, looking forward to it. Can't wait. I think it's going to be a smasher. Um, I think uh, before we uh, speak about our next subject, we've got, uh, I can see we've got a caller. So yep. we're going to go out to a man like uh, Appia985. Hello. How are we doing, guys? Yes. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, good. not too bad. Um, I, I hope you're all well. We are um, good. Here. And just, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope everything's all good. Yeah. Um, couple fights looking forward to, to be honest with you. Um, the fight you guys are just talking about between um, Spence and Garcia. And then obviously we've got, you know, the girl in Eubank. So um, two mouth-watering fights to look forward to so mm. it's all good it's all good it's all good and so I want to I'm going to ask you a question okay yeah. no go ahead ask away yeah no you go you go you go, you go. I mean you we, go. we've you just go. been told go, go. Uh, we've just been told that uh, yeah. the WBC have mandated Dominic Brazil and Dillian White um, to become the mandatory challenger for whoever wins out of Wilder and Fury um, presuming Wilder wins yeah. um, uh, what do you make of that that fight uh, Wilder versus um, not White sorry Dillian White versus Wilder. Dominic Brazil 
But that fight, who the winner of that fight will become the mandatory for the WBC belt. That that's a fight that I think White will win, to be honest with you. Mm. Um yeah, I I I like I like the way White goes about his business. Um yeah, I think he'll I think he'll win that mm. fight, to be fair. And do you think the momentum's with uh, Dylan White at the moment? I mean, we kind of look back now, maybe 12, 15 months, and we think, well, White hasn't had to had he hasn't had to take these uh, risky fights. Do you think it's a case now that the WBC will? I know they've ordered an interim belt, um, and there'll be a lot of speculation about why that's been imposed. But do you think it's a case now that he, if he wins this fight with Brazil and does it in um, scintillating fashion, that he has to have a fight with the winner? of Wilder Fury next is paramount that he gets that uh, world title shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see him in there with uh, Fury or Wilder. Mm. Love to see him in there. Don't mm. know if he beats any of them two, but love to see him in there. I mean, really the, would. with Dillian White, I think it's fair to say he's definitely, he's not even a comeback king, but if you think about a guy who deserves to fight for a title out of everybody that has he's one of those guys because I think 2018 was really his year. He started well, he finished well. Um, and, I, I, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Dillian White, but I think actually he's a bit, not changed the game, but he's definitely, he holds some pawns and some powerful pawns in the sense that, you know, Joshua really wanted to kind of get him in for April 13th and he wasn't negotiating with them um, in the sense that he didn't take their offer. They probably thought they could give him peanuts and he wasn't accepting that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's really interesting. Yeah, because them cunts are trying to give everyone peanuts, isn't they? <laughs> them fucking, them, them fucking Eddie Hearn and fucking <coughs> AJ, you know, mm. uh, you know, giving everyone, want to give everyone peanuts, you know what I mean? And, you know, just give people proper money and mm. let fans see some, some big fights, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, again, when you think of Joshua Miller, Joshua Miller, is that a dangerous fight for Joshua? You know what? Any, I think any heavyweight fight is, a, you know, he's a danger. He's dangerous. You get caught. He's a big guy, you know. Just you, you don't concentrate for a split second. Bam, game mm. over. So, you know, yeah, it is a dangerous fight for him. Yes, it is. It is. Yes, yeah, I think I mean, it is. Do you know what I mean? But, but um, you see, yeah. who do you see winning that fight? It's once it gets announced. Uh, I think, I think, I think Joshua Joshua mm. should come through, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should come through that. Yeah, that's my thought. He process. should come through that. That's that's my thought. Do you? Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Do you think it's more of a? Um, like a, the the move to America, do you think it's more kind of uh, for Joshua's markability over there, or do you think uh, Miller can actually pose um, a genuine threat as a as a voluntary defence? It, it's, it's probably for marketing reasons, isn't it? Mm. Eddie Hearn, isn't it? All business, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's true. So, it's simple as that. Yeah. yeah. All right, listen, D, thank uh, yeah. you very much. Um, we've got the big one, um, Eubank the girl. So they were going to do a preview preview of that show next week. So love to, for you to call in yeah. and give us your opinions then. Yeah. yeah, you'll be getting a call next week, mate. Perfect. All right. All right. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Perfect. All right. Cheers, thanks, lovely. Okay. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Cheers, Take thanks. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yeah, so, um, yeah, let's just focus on that. So, yeah, Brazil, Dillian White has been ordered mandatory. Do you think it's the right thing to happen? 
Yeah, I think over the last uh, few months it's been talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's quite ridiculous that all these kind of interim belts, regular mm. belts, are being installed yes. as a as an it's probably as an excuse, you know, mm. to say, well, look, Dylan, you fought ten or whatever amount of fights he has with the WBC. I think it's six or seven mm-hmm. prior to the uh, Chisora fight. Yep. Um, he's won all the belts, the mm. internationals, the intercontinentals. Yeah, the he's arch. He has uh, yes. fought the the top caliber of opponents mm. uh, ex- outside the champions. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Dominic Brazil is a credible opponent. Yeah, I mean Parker, anyway. I oh. mean, yeah, I mean, and, and that's in the past, sorry. But yeah, I mean, for me, I, I I'll be honest. I think Brazil is good, but White is better. Yeah, I think White's improved to such a level. I think actually he could probably beat him. Comprehensively, might be strong, but I do feel that Joshua had. Brazil's number from like round one, you know, yeah. the power, the speed. Brazil wasn't interested. Maybe the speed is where um, it, it, White is not as, you know, he's not as fast as Joshua. So that might not be as an intimidating for, for Brazil. But yeah. I think the power is there. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if he goes for the early knockout because I think with an opponent like Brazil, if you do that, Wilder has to take notice. Joshua potentially has to take notice. So maybe, you know, Chisora, he got him out there late, but he said he was working on stuff. He proved his stamina. He was getting hit. He was letting shots go as well, clearly. Whereas with with Brazil, if you beat him quicker than Joshua's done, straight away, that's a marker. And then also, there's been rumours that Wilder and Brazil were always supposed to fight, but taking him out early kind of says, well, Wilder, you have to face me now. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good, it's the right fight. I think if you were to ask me, you know, there were a lot of strong rumours that it was going to be either uh, Povetkin or Brazil, maybe even an Ortiz. I will say this, um, I don't think Ort- Dylan White wanted to fight Ortiz. He's clearly not afraid of anybody. But I think if you were to ask him out of all threes, I think Brazil's slightly the best package, yeah. name, uh, opponents is faced stylistically style exactly and I mean White's been used to fighting short stockier yes. guys in his past few fights so, so it'll, exactly. be, it'll be a good kind of test for him yeah. see how he adapts to that style precisely um, and that will set him up then for a, a Wilder if um, I mean or a Fury but, but this is the thing where it gets tricky now right because we all said that Fury beat Wilder in the first fight yeah they're going to rematch. We're hearing maybe May 18th for around maybe last week of May. Who knows? Yeah. Hope it's May. I hope it's in June, preferably. But um, if Wilder wins, that's the only way Dillian White gets a shot. Because if Fury wins, we know there will definitely be a rematch clause for, in Wilder's favour. I think yeah. if obviously Wilder wins, he can get away and do what he wants. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting for Dillian White because then you look at that and it's just say May, June, Wilder Fury fight. Whatever happens, you're probably talking about another four or five months before he gets anywhere close. So Fury, so White fighting in April is probably going to want to get out in September. Mm-hmm. Will Joshua throw him a bone to fight in September? But that's it. It's, they're all tied up at the moment. Um, I mean, if the, the Fury-Wilder fight happens in June, yeah. Joshua's been kind of uh, tipped to fight in, in June, June as well. So, yes. I mean, I mean, Dylan White's not going to hang around. Yeah. Um, but then who you go through the well, list. Is, all he does is he... Get, and it sounds really weird saying this, but he starts building better CVs than the champions. Because after Brazil, he beat and I think he can beat Brazil, mm. he would then fight what may... I don't, even Povetkin, I think, is... But let's say Povetkin and Ortiz, and he fights Ortiz and beats him as well. Yeah. You're going to look at his record and be like... <laughs> like what? Who, who else has he got I mean, to beat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um, so I do think it's going to be interesting. Um, but I like, I do like that fight, and I think you know it's a fight that um, as fans we should get behind. Um, I'm here in April; that date should get me. So if we, that is the case, um, 
yeah, let's let, let's crack on and, and and give these guys our support. Um, but like I said, it's a relatively quiet weekend in the UK front. Um, I know Tom, you're going to a show York called. Do you want to just quickly talk about that? Yeah. So the first British Warriors uh, show of the year. Um, mm-hmm. just kind of uh, a stacked card. You got uh, Jez Smith in the first uh, major title fight mm-hmm. uh, for the Southern Area. Uh, got Jeffrey Ofri, uh, the Southern Area. Uh, lightweight champion defending his belt in the first uh, voluntary defense, and then Mason Smith's on the card. So yeah, there's a ah uh, Mason Smith's back, yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of the 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 nice. guys that are making that transition yeah, to major yeah, yeah. titles. He's from your area, you know that. Yeah, Finchley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, Harold is he fights out of Finchley, but Mason Smith is from Mar- oh, I'm thinking Jez, Jez Smith and Mitchell. They're from Harrow. They're yeah. from that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but no, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. even then, um, I mean, all these guys, they're. They're tipped as uh, prospects, but they, there's a mm. lot more fighters now in the small hall scene making that transition yeah. as contenders, yeah. as uh, major title. Um, mm. You know, th- there's the shots giant. there for them. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and I think it's a, I think the way kind of uh, boxing nowadays is uh, accelerated. Mm-hmm. A lot more of these guys are going to get those uh, shots earlier on, and we I even agree. see with the likes of Buatzi, Cordina, mm-hmm. they're kind of on the major platforms now, but yes. they've had to. You know, build their way up, pedigree, way up. and exactly so, with the next gen shows and everything. Yeah, it should so, be a good show. Looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, just uh, just to see. Thing, yeah. And uh, next week we've got the big one. I say the the big one, but Eubank versus the girl. Looking forward to breaking that fight down next weekend. Yeah, uh, more next week. Looking forward to next weekend. So guys, listen, we're gonna we're gonna roll up. But I appreciate all the all the support again. If you want to go and follow Jay Prince, his Instagram is at Jay Prince Respect. Um, but more importantly, I'll, I'll say that kiddingly, um, Raps on TV is the social media you need to be phoning. That's at Raps on TV. W R A P S O N T V. Uh, social media, YouTube, Facebook, all of that, we've got it. So, guys, thank you again for all your support, all your questions, and hopefully you enjoyed a great interview with Mr. J Prince. Take care. Take care. Cheers.